Welcome to the root of all success with the real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs unlocked success and how their stories can help you do the same. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason has built multi-million dollar businesses that have been featured in Inc. Magazine and Entrepreneur Magazine. His life's mission now is helping entrepreneurs live what he calls hashtag the exit lifestyle. Introducing TEDx speaker, mastermind leader, author, entrepreneur, cigar aficionado, motorcycle enthusiast, and host of the root of all success... The Real Jason Duncan. The The Real real Jason Jason Duncan. Duncan. Hey there, I'm The Real Jason Duncan. You can call me JD. I am here today with Chris Dreyer on the show. And uh, we've got an interesting conversation that we're going to have because this guy, um, like me, had a degree in teaching and history and uh, found himself in a school doing that thing. Like he was the detention teacher. And while he was doing that, figured out how to do affiliate marketing to the tune of about 16 grand a month in personal income while he's managing detention students all day long <laughs> in complete silence. And then he tells this story that he, he kind of, it just, he decided to move on out of the teaching thing and takes three jobs at one time. So this guy is really all about niching down. He wrote a book called Niching Up. I said niching down, but it's niching up. So niching up, the narrower the market, the bigger the prize. And so this show is going to be about to niche or not to niche, because you look at, he took, he had two jobs when he was teaching with the affiliate marketing and then he was doing teaching. He had three corporate jobs plus his affiliate marketing. And now he is the number one personal injury SEO company in the world. Like, and that is super, super niche. So I, we're going to have a great conversation. Uh, Chris is an interesting guy. His company, he's the founder of Rankings.io, which has been on the Inc. 5000 list five years in a row, which is the fastest growing privately held companies in the country. To be able to do that is pretty significant. He's doing, I think he talks about about 13, he's on a $13 million run rate right now. Uh, he's a Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestseller. So he's he actually knows what he's talking about. Uh, he's on the, a member of the Forbes Agency Council, the Rolling Stone Culture Council, Business Journals, Leadership Trust, the Fast Company Executive Board, and the Newsweek Expert Forbes. So this guy's no slouch. Um, his journey has been very interesting. We're going to get into all of that, talk about his uh, time being a professional poker player, his time doing all the things he's been doing and getting to this niche, this niche of being an SEO company for personal injury attorneys. So um, we're going to talk about some things. His, I want you to pay attention to what he says his definition of success is and the keys right towards the end of the show. And uh, so why don't you help me welcome Chris Dreyer to the Root of All Success. Chris, good morning and welcome to the Root of All Success. Thanks for having me here, Jason. Well, you know, man, um, it's one of the cool things about doing a podcast, as I say a lot of times, is I get to meet some interesting people. And uh, interesting people that I probably wouldn't otherwise come across in my daily life as a as a just a normal human, but you've got a you've got a pretty eclectic background, and for whatever reason, we're here having this conversation today because of your success. So I want to first of all kind of get into your background because one of the things that I found interesting in your bio is that you 
went and got a history degree. You've got an education degree in history. I don't know if you know this or not, but I have a master's in education and I taught history. <laughs> so, wow. so how yeah. did, how and why did you decide to do the history degree? I wish I had this like direct path to get this degree, but the truth is I wasn't the best student at all. I was partying. I was not going to class and I went to the, uh, the advisor after being in for a handful of years. And I was like, what's, what's the degree I'm, I'm most close to. And he's like a history degree. I'm like, Let's do it. So, you know, for my parents listening, you know, please earmuff, but that's the actual truth. I knew I was going to be an entrepreneur. I knew I was going to start my own business. And I even told my parents going in before college, I was like, just so you know, I'm going to start my own business. So they knew that. And that's the truth of how I got that degree. I wasn't, I didn't have this direct path. I kind of fell into it. Well, again, I think it's funny because my story, a little different, but when I went to get my mine was a master's in education, so I had a bachelor's in ministry, which was uh, a whole other story. But when I went to get to my master's in education, I wanted to teach school. I was kind of the same thing, like, hey, what do I what degree in teaching could I get that will allow me to teach? And they were like, well, you have a bachelor's in ministry, which is a lot of ancient history studies. Uh, you, you're going to teach history. And I ended up turning out right. loving it. But it sounds like based on the, your bio that you. Did you actually ever teach that or did you just do detention? Right. I did the student teaching and stuff through history. And so I did teach it, I guess, uh, in practice during college. But yeah, I was just a detention room teacher. The, the truth is the reason why I got an education degree, one of the reasons was because I was really into sports, uh, heavily involved in sports. And I, at one point, was considering coaching college basketball. And that's one of the main reasons why I went that direction, too. Because you could coach and teach history because that's what history mm -hmm. teachers do, huh? <laughs> right. Well, I enjoyed it. It's like the next best thing to playing. And, and I was a, a captain of our conference, like a top player back in my skinny days before I put on 100 more pounds. But uh, it, I think the next best thing to playing is coaching. I coached, uh, I coached my soccer team um, the first year I taught school, and I really thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And then I moved to a new district and uh, they didn't have, they didn't have a soccer team. And I, I couldn't baseball or excuse me, uh, basketball and, and football kind of really wasn't my thing in terms of coaching, but you're right. Coaching was a ton of fun. It, it was a lot of time. It was a whole lot of time, but I, I thoroughly right. enjoyed it. And I did, I was the, I was the in school suspension fill in during lunch. And that hour that I was in there, I hated it. Golly. I hate that's so uh -huh. boring. I don't know how those, I don't know how people do that every single day without, wanting to uh, just hang themselves in the locker room. That's it's terrible to sit there just complete horrible. silence with the, with the worst kids in the school. <laughs> yeah. Terrible. That's my experience. Well, so you wanted to be an entrepreneur. How did you know you wanted to be an entrepreneur? It was just in me. I, I don't know how to explain it. I was always looking at businesses and, and growth and, and trying to become wealthy when truthfully, when I was younger, we were very poor. I didn't know that at the time. I just thought it was normal to go get the water truck and go get our water because we didn't, you know, we, we were collecting well water. And I, I didn't realize that, you know, cleaning houses and um, businesses on the weekends was not something other kids did. T to be fair, my parents were very good with money. My dad's a mail carrier. My mom was a cook. And I was never without, but we didn't have a ton of money. And I saw my uncle, he, had, he was very wealthy and I always strived. I, I kind of wanted that success. 
So what did your uncle do that made him wealthy? Jeez, he, he was in, in the energy business, uh, multiple energy businesses, Dynagy, and he was just the CEO of multiple companies, some that got sold and, and just you know massive egg exits throughout Houston. And he was just, uh, you know, vacations over at his house. It was just eye-opening of what was possible. Is this uh, is this your dad's brother or your mom's brother? Yeah, dad's brother. Yeah, so, dad's brother Alec Dreyer. All right. So, uh, was he an entrepreneur or was he corporate? It's funny because back then I I would have said an entrepreneur, but really he had a very high paying job. You know, he got equity and he got that, but he but he always he didn't start up his own. So he was working for someone, but definitely kept, he never plateaued. He always took the the next career path. And I think he's on, he's a chairman of now some boards and travels and gets paid doing that. And, but he never really started anything from scratch. It was, he, he, he did have a job. He was the CEO. You know, so what's funny about wealth creation is that the people like your uncle who do that are the anomaly because most people don't create wealth through being an employee. It's not, it's not as, it's actually a harder road through employment than it is through entrepreneurship, even though entrepreneurship ain't no walk in the park. <laughs> so, but, right. but, uh, but your uncle succeeded in spite of the odds. And I think a lot of people coming up, coming up out of high school, going into college are like, Hey, I just want to get a great job. I want to, you know, be the CEO. I want to, I want to have the, have the, uh, you know, the options and the equity so that I can, build a wealthy generationally generational wealth for my family, but that doesn't happen that much. And so your uncle had some influence over you kind of un, un, unintentionally. That's pretty, pretty interesting. So you saw him and you're like, I want to live that lifestyle. I want to be that lifestyle. And your path through it was to entrepreneurship, but that wasn't originally how you started, right? I mean, you went to college and, and followed a traditional path. When did you break from that path? There were a couple pivotal times. My younger sister, she's two years younger than me, had a plumbing business with her husband. And they pushed me like, hey, start your own business, start your own business. And so that was kind of strange because you know, she went for it and she was, you know, she went to college, had a radiology degree and and this. So and she kept encouraging me. That was that was one moment. The detention room was another moment. I just was bored out of my mind. And you can only look at sports so much. I mean, maybe you could look at it the entire day, but I was looking at like, how can I make more money to get out of the situation? And that's where I found affiliate marketing. And another thing too, is my first year teaching, I actually bought two triplexes. So I got in the real estate space. You know, so I had a quarter million dollars worth of real estate. I couldn't get a loan for that for what I was making. So I had to get creative. And, you know, I had some owner financing type deals where they, you know, contract for deed. Uh, but yeah, so I, I, early on, right after college. So you did the affiliate marketing first. Explain that for the dumb people in the room. Like, cause I don't, I mean, I get it, but I don't know that I truly get it. What does that mean? It's just selling other people's stuff and making a percentage of getting a cut. There's so many products out there that need to be marketed and sold. And instead of creating your own, you can sell someone else's and make, you know, get a percentage fee. 
Well, what were you uh, marketing? What was it? I have so many. I I ranked number one for double chin for three years, three or four years. So I had all kind. I was doing Google AdSense primarily for that. What what is I that? Ranked, you said double chin. What is that? <laughs> lose a double chin instead of like a weight loss and fitness site. I did lose a double chin, and I ranked really well for that. <laughs> Because it didn't have the competition Seriously? I, for like three or four years. Yeah. Rank number one for double chin, <laughs> staying concrete, rank number one for it, rank number one for acai fruit back when that hit Oprah and exploded. I had portable generators, uh, alcohol queries. I mean, you name it, pastry chef, equestrian horse riding, some weird stuff all over the, all over the place. And I would just find a product or something the consumer liked and I would sell it on those sites. All right. So, so you're gonna have to help me with this. I, 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 I uh -huh. get the concept, but walk me through, well, this is not what the whole show is about, but I really am interested yeah. in this. So if you, you find the, let's do the double chin thing. We got to leave that alone, but let's, let's yeah. do any, let's do the portable generator. All right. So you find okay. a portable generator online. You're like, Ooh, this is cool. Did you just call these people up? You email them and say, Hey, I want to, I want to be an affiliate. What commission will you give me if I sell your stuff or send traffic? Is that, is that how that was started? Most of them already have pre-established platforms and pricing and even collateral to help sell the material. Yeah. And there are some universal sites that have many products, CJ advertising, Amazon associates, and those are the main two. And I'm not even sure it's been so long since I've been out of the game, but Amazon had this, and I believe they still do this, this gigantic affiliate partnership where basically anything on Amazon you could sell. And the great thing about Amazon was even if you're selling a portable generator or a book, people don't go to just Amazon and buy one thing. Once they, once they're tracked from your website and they buy their entire Christmas shopping list, you get credited and commission for all of that. And that's what I was doing. I, I just found different affiliate programs and I sold these goods, you know, staying concrete. I was selling like, you know, the different epoxies or the tools that you use. But when you and, did that, like, so, so you found this and you said, I found this generator. They had an affiliate program. So what did you just spool up a website that drove traffic to that? What, how did that work? Yeah. Yeah, I back in the day, Google gave a, a benefit to exact match domains. So if your domain was doublechin.com, you had you had a significant chance to rank for that phrase. So I was buying these very specific domains and then setting up a website. I would I was self-taught, taught, you know, learn how to build the website myself back in the old school Dreamweaver days before WordPress. <laughs> and and was just cutting my teeth and and I started to develop a team that helped me write content and, and learn systems and processes, which, which really translated well into business into the future. And that's what I did. They, and I'll tell you one other thing that generator site, it's funny. One day I logged in and I'm like, all my generators were sold. Like I was sold out. I'm like, what happened? What well, was the hurricane in Florida? Mm. And I just happened to have this website and it just exploded. Um, and there's other weird stories, and I can tell you some of those if you're interested. Yeah, well, this is f f fascinating to me, um, primarily, well, there's two reasons. Number one, I, I'm just really curious about how people get into entrepreneurship and how they take risk mm -hmm. and they innovate, because that is what an entrepreneur is. They take risk and they innovate, and that 
that's what separates us from the employees. That's because they're not taking risks the way that we do. They're not innovating the way that we do. So I'm interested in that number two, the second thing is I'm working on my own little affiliate deal in the back end of something that I, I really don't know what I'm doing. I bought the domain. I've got something going on in the back end and I'm trying to figure out how do I do this? How do I make this work? So I've, I've got a little selfishness in me and wanting to know, but, but also primarily because of it's an entrepreneur's thing. So when you did the generator thing, for example, you just set up a site, you linked it to their site, they're tracking it. So if somebody buys a generator, they send you a check for some commission amount. Um, how much, how much money did you make off doing, you know, double chin or generators or stained concrete, stamped concrete? What tell, give us a sense of what type of money someone yeah. could do, make, make doing that. I started the first year in the detention room by my second year teaching. I was making about 16,000 a month doing affiliate marketing. <laughs> that's, that's insane. Yeah, that's insane. That's about what? 160,000. No, no, that'd be more than that. It'd be 180,000 dollars a year. Yeah. 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 Cl close to 200 K. Uh, there were some up months that were way more than that. And then some that would level off, but I, you know, most of the time I didn't drop below like say 12 K, but then I would have some crazy months when just things occurred in the environment. That's crazy. So it almost matched your teaching income, right? Right. Right. <laughs> Last yeah. And my coaching at that, like $4 an hour coaching, right? Yeah, when I was coaching, they gave us a three percent, three percent stipend on our normal salary. So whatever your normal salary was, you got three percent to to be the coach. Which I think the last year I taught school was thirty eight thousand dollars a year, like a year. And you're doing that in two months in affiliate marketing. Um, that's that's significant. So so you didn't stay in affiliate marketing. You used that to finance and leapfrog into something new. What did you do next? couple things I should fill in here. I, back in the day, was taking the short-term approach. My content wasn't the best. My websites weren't the best. And I was just all over the place and not focusing on quality because back in the day, Google didn't have the repository of information it has now. There were just subject, subject material wasn't covered. So if you wrote an article, you could rank. But then once everyone was doing that, you had to focus on quality. So my income literally overnight went from like, like I said, like $16,000 a month down to like $2,000 a month mm. because of a Google algorithm update. And it, I was not the best with my money at this time. I was spending it. I was having a lot of fun and I had to get a job. So I got on Craigslist and I typed in SEO and I fired off my resume so much that I actually hit a filter on Craigslist that didn't allow me to send my resume out for like a week. <laughs> These damn robots trying to send their resumes yep. out, you know? Okay. So you sent, yep. so you, your income drops like a rock because of the algorithm. And again, these damn algorithms. I mean, I, that happens on Instagram all the time. You could be flying high and the next day, nobody sees your stuff. I don't understand what's going on. So they, so you get your victim of the algorithm. You start sending out resumes. What happened next? The next one. And I, and I haven't told this one very often, <laughs> but I actually got hired by three companies and the logical person would just take one, right? Well, I accepted all three and I had this team of affiliate marketers and I, and I was a remote job. So I actually worked at all three companies <laughs> and that, and that Seriously. was, that was a real balancing act, but, and that led me to some issues, um, you know, with like meetings, like overlapping and stuff, but I managed to make it work for about two years. 
Are you kidding me? So you had nope. three legit full-time salary jobs working from home, working from working remote. You're doing your affiliate stuff too, trying to keep that going in the background. So, mm -hmm. all right, this is the ultimate job hack. So how much, what were your salaries across each, each of these three jobs? I mean, 30, 40 K. Oh, cause it wasn't, the, they weren't, yeah. they weren't real high, but no. So 30, 40 K each. So you're pulling mm -hmm. in 90 to $120,000 between the three. Plus you're making another mm -hmm. 20 to 50 grand on affiliate marketing. So you're still, you still got a pretty good income. You're just working mm -hmm. a lot. Um, so there's a lot of hustle in that. Okay. Next. What happened after that? I, I got to see the inside of the agency world and I, I learned what not to do. And I basically learned how to sell professional services. And I just thought it's the classic. I thought I could do better. So I started researching it. I started building, you know, my company on the side, started getting testimonials, starting building my personal brand, and then, then put in my notice and, and then took this, started my own career. And we could talk about the tactics to get revenue really early on and things I did, but that's what I did. I saw, I saw the space. I thought I could do better and I just jumped right in. So you worked on these three jobs for two years, plus your side gig of doing the affiliate marketing. Um, it came, did it come crumbling down or did you just decide, uh, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to do my own thing. The affiliate marketing lasted for it, 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 it diminished because I didn't give it any attention, but I, I, I still made a decent income, like passive income, a couple thousand a month for geez, I don't know, two to three years or more. And so that really helped make this transition. Cause I wasn't, you know, I had some income and the thing is, I just, I hustled and I signed, I believe three clients that first month as an agency owner. And it basically replaced my salaries. So it took a lot of the pressure off. I took some gigs that I would never take in a million years now. Some just terrible jobs that probably they went to other agencies and no one would take, you know, work, do these things that they wanted. And I am like, I'll do it. And, and that's how I got started. So it didn't come crumbling down. It sounds like you just, you chose to walk away. So you kind of walked away yeah. into your own agency and your own agency was doing what SEO that that's what you were going to do. Yeah, I launched as attorneyrankings.org and we did design, SEO, PPC, and social. The thing is, it was basically I would do anything. At at the very I was not very selective. Any weird project I would take to generate revenue at the beginning. So why attorneys? What what was it about that that said that they need help? I'm gonna help them. I I thought the agency space was really saturated with the competition. So I wanted to pick an industry that I could focus on, you know, demographics and marketing and all these strategies. And I also wanted one that was more recession proof. The, you know, had a history of being there forever instead of picking like some obscure SaaS or thing that could change. You know, legal's been around forever. I knew that more and more attorneys were graduating every single day and that there was going to be competition because there was just so many of them. And with saturation and competition demands expertise through marketing. So I knew there'd just be a big opportunity and that's why I went that direction. So that makes sense. I mean, that's a well thought out, uh, intention on your end to say, I'm going to go into attorneys and help them specifically personal injury attorneys, right? So at the beginning it was, it was all attorneys. 
And it, it, it took a few years before, actually like eight years before I niched down even further to the PI space. Yeah, it makes sense. Anytime you drive into a city, you're going to see nothing but personal injury billboards. If you turn on daytime television, you're getting hit by, you know, five personal injury ads in a row. It's just everywhere that they have. It's, it's the most saturated, most competitive. And because of that, they need the experts more so than if you're the only trademark attorney in a city, you don't have any comp competition by the nature of being the only one. You're the best. Mm. So that law that allowing attorneys to advertise that way is relatively new, isn't it? How long, when, when did that law pass to let them advertise? I'm not sure exactly. It was, you know, it was around a few years before I started. The biggest thing that they've changed is like trade names and usage, you know, back in the day, the firm had to be the name of the attorney. Now you can use trade names and there's some other things that have been lifted. For example, in Phoenix right now in Arizona, sorry, in Arizona, they have ABS and, and you can, they're kind of pushing towards non-attorney ownership with certain regulations. And that's a big shift because you know, then there's private equity and consolidation and all these things occur. So you know, there's changes, but it, they're, they're big advertisers for sure. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I mean, as a kid, I don't remember seeing, of course, I also don't remember paying attention to that, but I don't remember seeing the attorney billboards and on the back of the yellow pages. But as a young adult, I remember watching that just explode and they were everywhere. You know, there's a guy here in Nashville, Bart Durham. <laughs> I don't know if you know, I know. you know, Bart, mm -hmm. you, you, let's see, what did it was say? Uh, you need, we demand it. You need justice and we demand it or something like that. I don't, I don't know what it was, but I mean, he's been doing commercials. It seems like forever, but, uh, but because it allowed them to start advertising and open up an industry for you to step in and do some SEO for these attorneys. And so now what is the, what's the name of your business? Yeah, it's rankings.io. And that is specifically for personal injury attorneys. 98% of our business is PI. We, we do, occasionally take one outside if it makes sense. Yeah. And you have, what year did you start that business? 2013. Okay. So thir 10 years, you're on your 10 years. Uh, you've been in the Inc 5000 list five years in a row, which is not an easy feat. Um, one of the companies I owned did it two years in a row and that's a, that's a pretty big deal. So you've been growing at a pretty substantial clip. Um, how many, uh, how many employees are working with you now? Let's take a quick break to thank our amazing sponsors for making this podcast possible. Hey, I want to talk with you about one of my favorite tools as a salesperson and as an entrepreneur, and that tool is Dub. I want, I want you to imagine for a minute getting an email from somebody, and instead of just being the plain old crappy text in an email, rather than just having a bunch of HTML where it's pictures and stuff, what if it was a video? And the video had a little GIF and it was playing right there in the email as soon as you opened it. And it had your name. Like it said, hello, Jason, check this out. And then you clicked play and it played right there in your inbox in the window. And it was somebody trying to tell you how great you are, or how awesome they can help you, how, how good they can help you out. That is the power of video emails. I want you to try Dub out. I've been using it for years. I have closed countless millions of dollars in sales over the last, I don't know, six years or so using Dub, and you can do it too. All you got to do is go to therealjasonduncan.com slash 
dub that's d-u-b-b the real jasonduncan.com slash dub dub will help you make an impact in your sales through video it's going to help you with they've even got a crm built into it you can build landing pages you can do campaigns even sms campaigns you can set up automations to manage workflows and maximize conversions and like i said they've got an existing software platform inside dub to take your CRM to the next level. Try this out. Get a free special just by being a listener to the podcast. Go to therealjasonduncan.com slash dub. Get two weeks to try it for free and 50% off your first two months. That's therealjasonduncan.com slash dub. I love talking about this sponsor because it's it's often oftentimes a lot of people talk about sponsors on their shows or have sponsors and they they either don't use them or they might have used them once and they're not really in love with it. They just take their money. <laughs> and, and certainly there's nothing wrong with that. But this sponsor, this one of my sponsors of the podcast is Story, S-T-O-R-Y-Y. Two Ys, why? Because they're awesome. If you've ever wondered how these influencers do their Instagram reels and their TikToks and their YouTube shorts to look so amazing where they've got the zoom cuts and the pop-ups and the on-screen illustrations, whether it's cartoons or actual images or videos that get responses, that that people go, ooh, I want to talk to that. If you want to know how people do that, that is exactly what Story does. They take your videos and they make you look like an influencer. They make you become an influencer. And they will post it for you. They'll write the captions. They'll add the relevant hashtags. They put it on the platforms that you care about the most. And after that content's posted, they take it even one step further to boost it to your past clients, your your leads, or anyone that you want to target. And they even have someone log into your social media profile to engage with other people's posts to drive engagement on your profile. Story truly takes a headache away from doing social media content from start to finish. And they have a mission to help people nurture and cultivate their relationships by sharing your message digitally. And they even have an app that makes it easy to upload your content and track everywhere your video is at. I've been using them for a long time. And... I, I told him, I said, look, guys, I love what you're doing. I want to recommend you to everybody. You need to be a sponsor of my podcast. And so they're a co-sponsor of this podcast. And they're also the exclusive sponsor uh, of my live webinar series, Entrepreneur Master Series, because they're that good. I tell everybody about them. So go to therealjasonduncan.com slash story to learn more. And that's therealjasonduncan.com slash story, S-T-O-R-Y-Y. Why are there two Ys? because they're awesome. You'll get 10% off your first three months if you go to that link, therealjasonduncan.com slash story. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now, back to the show. Right now, we're approaching that 40, 40 employees. We're on a, a run rate of around 13 million right now. Wow, that's pretty good. Significantly different than $16,000 a month in affiliate marketing. Huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So what's uh, what's next on your agenda? You've written a book. Let's talk about the book, niching the, uh, the Niching Up, The Narrower the Market, The Bigger the Prize. Where did that book originate in your mind? Really, from, from my journey into just niching further, so legal, then to the personal injury space, and, and not very many people take this leap, but it, it, there's many advantages. Everyone always thinks about decreasing your TAM, your total addressable market, but they don't think about the advantages of perception of, of, of you know, eliminating waste and 
you know, expertise and, and all these things that can increase the value that you provide to your consumer, which in turn, when you have more value, you can increase your fees and your profit margins. So it was just my personal experiences. I could say, hey, this is what worked for me. Here are the pros and cons. And, you know, I, I think, and I'm very self-deprecating. Like I didn't do, obviously I didn't do everything right. And there were many learning lessons, but I'm just, I just had a story to tell. And, and that's where it came about. I, I think the strategy personally for my side could have been better executed. Like, like I don't have a course. I don't have a way to monetize this book. It's just more authority building and building my personal brand. And I, I just wanted to do it, honestly. Hmm. When did you, when did it publish? October, I believe October, 2022. Oh, so recently, so not very long. Um, yeah. So did it, did it, uh, did it accomplish everything that you thought it would when it came out on like the launch and the authority building that you wanted to do? Did, did that happen? I marketed the hell out of the book and I can go into the strategies that I took for marketing, but it, it did better than I thought. And, and we sold, I don't know, we've sold about 5,000 copies in that first month or two. And we hit the the Wall Street Journal and US Today bestseller list. Matthew Perry's book came out and he just beat me. Uh, I was the number two spot and he was number one. But yeah, and I, I went all in on the marketing and, and basically, you know, for every $5 I spent, I've made about a buck. So it's been a great investment. <laughs> oh no, that's not good. That's not good at all. <laughs> That is the, the, the kids don't do that. Don't do that. Right. <laughs> but, right? but it's like reverse. But, you know, but the $5 you spent on marketing where you made a dollar directly from the book, you're going to make $100 through indirect authority marketing, right? I think so. I, I've had in my space, even though it's not written for personal injury attorneys, I've had several come up to me that have read my book. And, and I know that there's, you know, some authority from that. So do you... This whole thing of niching, I'd be interested to kind of dive into this a little bit if you're if you're willing, is yeah. that a, a lot of people say, as you as you indicate in the title of your book, Niching Up, The Narrow the Market, The Bigger the Prize, there's riches in the niches, people say, and you got to be niched, you can't be everything to all people. But, but, you know, you didn't niche at first, you were super wide, and it didn't, it took you a long time before you niche. So where is that? inflection point for us as entrepreneurs to say, now we niche, but before that we throw as wide a net as possible. Such a great question. And it's taken me a while to have an answer for this. And this stems from the book, Epstein's book, Range. Range talks about how you, you need to have these experiences before you find what you have a purpose, purpose and passion for. And like, it talks about the famous tennis player Nadal, where his parents put him in all types of sports, baseball, basketball, football, who knows, soccer, uh, tennis. And he, and he was very good at tennis. But imagine if his parents just put him in basketball at the beginning. Now, who knows what would have happened? It's very unlikely to have been a great basketball player. And what I say as it relates to niching is you need to have all these experiences and collect all this data and and to determine what you have a purpose, passion, and also where you can generate a profit. And that's what it was. So I had all this data. I was in the legal space. I was, oh, look, here's this opportunity from the data. And my data was 70% of my revenue was coming from less than 50% of my clientele. 
very clear that there was a big opportunity there for me. So are you saying then that the niching will occur later and a more mature experience as an entrepreneur, not at the beginning? I think there's, look, for every answer I say, you could do it this way. Someone else is going to prove it. That you, you, know, you start with a niche and they were very successful. But I think for most people, they need to get the experience and have uh, experience across a lot of industries before they pick their niche. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I appreciate your perspective, Chris, because I don't think it's as easy an answer as, uh, as the question may seem to indicate, because if you look at it, you, you look at Instagram gurus and the TikTok gurus, they'll say the average millionaire has seven sources of income. Well, that's true. And I think, well, I think you and I, you and I would probably agree with that, but the reality is they didn't have it at the beginning. They had one and they did one thing well and they did it. But then again, if you pull back the layers a, a little bit more in that one uh, one source of revenue or income that they had, they were probably casting a pretty wide net in whatever, whatever it was they're doing for you. It was affiliate marketing. You're cast a wide net. You did have two sources of income because you were a teacher and you had this affiliate, but for the most right. part, you're one, you have one income dude, but you cast a pretty wide net. And then as it, as it, as you grew, even though you had those three jobs for a while, you niched down once you had the experience. And I think that's the lesson for the listeners to say, well, no matter where you are in your, your journey, there may be a time when you have to spread the net wide. There may be a time you have to niche down. Mm -hmm. I would encourage people to pick up your book, the niching up, the narrow the market, the bigger the prize. You can pick it up on Amazon, I'm sure, in any other place. It's a Wall Street Journal best, uh, bestseller and, and USA Today. That That's not an easy feat. I'm launching a book in uh, a few weeks, my first book. And Congrats. I'm, I'm uh, anxious to get on the list with you, man. So that's not... Nice. Not easy to do. So congratulations. Why do you think your book was so successful? There are a few things that I did. One of the most uh, beneficial things I did was I reached out to anyone that had a giant email list and I bought a dedicated email from them. So I basically piggybacked off of their list. So, so just giant lists, I would pay for a distribution to like a million readers. Right? So I did that on a ton of lists versus having my own, you know, with 30,000 users, like, like that's not going to get me any sales. Um, so I piggybacked off some lists. I pumped the Amazon ads. Those are the two big things. The Amazon ads, they're kind of rudimentary, but once you start to figure it out and get enough data, you can really do well there too. Nice. Do you think, uh, you think this will be the first of multiple books or is this your, your one, uh, one big book? It'll be the first of multiple. I'm actually writing another one right now, preeminent personal injury lawyer marketing. Not sure when that one's going to come out. I'm about halfway done. There were some other things I, I, I learned. For example, Scribe doesn't do the, the distribution to barns and hotels and airports because they, you know, all those companies hold the books on co-signment and they ship them back. And Scribe doesn't have warehousing capabilities. And that was a big learning lesson because you know, on the front of the cover of Scribe, and I love Scribe, I'm using him again, but it's like David Goggins and you see his book everywhere. Well, they made a special exception for David Goggins. I'm not David Goggins, right? And there's some other special exceptions they made. And uh, I just learned the hard way that to get the mass distribution, you need to go through a traditional publisher. Yeah. So are you going to, you're still, so you're still going to use Scribe, but you're, are you going to hope to get to a bigger publisher? The... 
scribe for this one for personal injury lawyer marketing because it's so niche and I'm not looking for the mass distribution. I need to be very specific. Yeah. But if I do anything on a business orientation that applies to a, a very wide TAM, then I would use a traditional publisher. So one thing we haven't talked about today, Chris, is the fact that you have uh, become a top ranked online poker player in all your free time. So <laughs> I got to know about that story. Yeah, I wouldn't. So my roommate who started off doing digital marketing back when I was learning all of this, he, he kind of segued and went into the, the poker route and he had, and he didn't just play casual poker. Like he had a coach that he checked and they reviewed sessions and he played X amount of hand. It was a job for him. And I said that I wanted to learn. And so he coached me for a month. And in that time period, I'm going to say 30,000 hands in a month that we reviewed every single session that I played because I played multi-table. That's the equivalent of what most live game players would play in their lifetime. And I played in a month and it was his birthday. And he, so there's a lot of questions I'm sure you have on this, but I ended up playing in a very large tournament and doing quite well. And, and I'll let you jump in there for questions, but. Uh, so 30,000 hands in one month. That's a lot. That's significant. That's like nothing else. That's going to the bathroom, eating, sleeping, and playing poker. That's pretty much it, sounds like, right? And having three jobs. Oh, you were doing this during your three job days? Oh, my gosh, mm -hmm. dude. All right, so you did all this, and then what? Like, you went to a big tournament and won? I went out for my buddy's birthday, my roommate, and we were hungover at a little breakfast cafe, and I was like, hey, I want to play in this Sunday Million Dollar tournament. And it was like 200 bucks. And I was like, ah, I don't know if I'm going to play. And he's like, well, look, I'll split it with you 50, 50. I'll, 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 I'll pay a hundred bucks. And, uh, and then I'll take 50% of your winnings. Need, well, that tournament was 14,000 players and I got uh fourth on a chop and it was $234,000. <laughs> so you know, for a hundred dollar investment, he got a hundred and what thirty seven that whatever the the math comes out to be half of that two hundred thirty four, and then I played in a couple other tournaments and I won those too and I won you know twenty thousand here thirty thousand there, so I ended up winning over three hundred thousand that month of April, and this was the same time as Black Friday. Any poker player listening is like oh. Ugh. I went to withdraw my money and the federal government had seized it. So I didn't actually get my money until three years uh, later. What? Oh, you got to tell me about that. I don't know what that is. What what happened? Yeah. So the it, it was actually illegal to play online poker in the U.S. And all these sites existed, Full Tilt Poker, parties, you know, Poker Stars. Um, there are a bunch of them. And I had never had any issues withdrawing money. And then, so the, what I did was I, I withdrew $20,000 wire because I'd never done this. I was afraid to do it all at once. And like, what if something happened? And I got it. It hit my bank account. I'm like, cool. I went to click to withdraw the rest of the money. And it's like, I had this warning message about the federal government. And I started researching it and come to find out the federal government seized all of them. And yeah, it was just, uh, and that was also when I retired from, from, online poker <laughs> after going through that. But uh, yeah, I didn't, it was locked up for three years. There was very ups and downs that I, I didn't know that I was going to get the money. I thought it was just like, Oh, cool. I won all this, but I'm not going to receive a penny. 
but I eventually did get it. Well, how how much was it? It's about three hundred thousand locked up. Wow. And they, they paid you interest on that, I'm sure, for three years, right? Oh, right. right. <laughs> I say this. I'm a half-glass fool guy. I'm an optimist. I, if I would have got the money then, I would have blown it. Yeah. I would have blown it. it uh, bought a new car, did something dumb. Fortunately, I got the money later, and I was a, a bit wiser and actually utilized it. Wow. Man. And what year was that? I believe that was 2011 or 12. Okay. So that's right, right before you there. started rankings, mm-hmm. huh? Okay. Yeah. Man. So what do you, how do you define success? Like what, if you had to narrow down that word, what do you think that word means? Well, in competition winning, uh, I know that's very status orientation. We have our core values are play to win, foxhole mentality, send and delete and true grit. It's not these fluffy team player ones, right? We, we are coming to compete. That's, that's winning, that's success. I, I think just, just being happy on the other side of the coin, on the relationship side, being happy and not stressed and living the life of freedom. So uh, um, if you look at the two sides of that definition, you said in competition, success is winning. But in just general in life, it's being happy and not being stressed. So with those definitions as a backdrop, do you consider yourself to be successful? Yeah, I do. I think I'd be a fool not to say uh, I, I, I do. I, I, I say that with, with no ego, but, but I'm very happy. That's great, man. And you're winning, it sounds like, too. <laughs> yeah, thank so, you. So what do you think your keys to success have been? If you look back over your career coming up to this point where you're killing it, you got a great company, you're growing, you've got a, a best-selling book, you're going to write another one. Things are going well. What were the keys? How did you unlock that type of success in your life? Consistency, execution, 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 learning from my mistakes, um, fighting through adversity. There are things that happen, you get punched in the mouth a lot, and it's just learn from those mistakes and improve. And, and continually learning, have a habit for learning and, and increasing your skill. Those are the big ones. I, I hate to narrow it down, but it's, I, I think we've, we've executed consistently for a longer period of time than most in my space. Well, how many people are, are in your space? I mean, how many people are specifically doing rankings, SEO for the personal injury attorney uh, niche. Like how many people are doing that? That's you. You're it. That's us. It's funny. I, I have some competitors and I was on a panel and I, I mentioned this in the book. I got introduced by the host and they're like, this is so-and-so. And, and the gentleman says, we do SEO, PPC, social media stuff for lawyers, right? Just lawyers. The next person was introduced and she says, we do SEO for family law, divorce, and PI. And then I was introduced third. This is a true story. We do SEO for personal injury lawyers. If you're a personal injury lawyer listening, who's the most appealing? It's, it was us. There's just a perception of expertise, even though you don't know anything about us. Our case studies, our results. It's, so that's a true story. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, man. Well, congratulations on all your success. It's pretty interesting. Now, you have your own podcast that you're doing. Would you like to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's a PIM, Personal Injury Mastermind. We just, I, I interview 
the top personal injury attorneys in the space and, and other, um, you know, in the legal vertical. So we've had, you know, some just really heavy hitting PI attorneys on there, Daryl Isaacs, John Gomez, Bob Simon, uh, you know, Matt Dolman, just Mike Papantonio, just some really big time attorneys on there. And it's, it's a great resource to learn. It's a great feedback loop. So if you are ever somewhere and uh, you hit, you run into Chris with your car, um, you know, just go away as fast as possible because he knows everybody right. who can help him. <laughs> Don't That's mess funny. with this guy. He knows every personal injury attorney <laughs> on the planet. You do not want to be involved with a lawsuit with Chris Dreyer. Well, Chris, it's been, uh, it's been great having you on the show, having this conversation. I like to give, uh, I like to give the guests kind of the last word. So if you've got any advice or just a parting thought, anything you want to say before we finish up the show today? Jeez, great question. Put me on the spot here. <laughs> I'd say just focus on creating more value with value allows you to charge more higher fees and, and to create more profits. Just focus on value above all. Well, that is a great piece of advice to end the show with. So Chris, thanks for being here, man. And uh, continue your success. I know you will. And thanks for being on the show. Jason, thanks so much for having me. Well, there you have it. Another very successful entrepreneur about his journey to success. Chris is an interesting dude. Um, I, I remember when uh, his agency reached out about being on the show and I was like, I don't know, like what, what would a guy that's working in the personal injury attorney space like, what would we talk about? <laughs> it sounded so narrow, so niche. And yet, what a great conversation with Chris. Um, I loved his definition of success. He said he kind of defined it in two ways. If you're in competition, success is about winning. And that is true. Um, and then just generally being happy and not stressed out in life, that is success. And he gave us his keys to success, which were consistency and execution, learning from your mistakes. And, and being a continual learner. And I want to kind of pause on that spot right there. As we finish this show today, I want to encourage you as a listener to be a continual learner. Thank you for listening to this show and learning from it. I hope that you're subscribed to it. And I would really appreciate it if you'd leave me a five-star review. It means more to me and to the rankings than you might imagine. But are you continually learning beyond just listening to the show? Are you taking courses? Have you hired a coach? Are you, are you spending the time studying the things that you want to be proficient in? I hope that you are. And if you need any help with that, please reach out to me. You can follow me on Instagram or LinkedIn or YouTube at the real Jason Duncan. But uh, I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you tuning in. Please tune in again next time when I talk with yet another very successful entrepreneur about his or her journey to success. Until then, I am the real Jason Duncan and Jesus is King. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with The Real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Follow Jason on social media at The Real Jason Duncan. Are you an entrepreneur who feels trapped in the weeds of daily operations, not experiencing the freedom you thought you'd have as a business owner? Want to know the way out? Take Jason's free exit readiness assessment to see how close you are to getting ready to experience true freedom and success as an entrepreneur. Go to amireadytoexit.com today 
That's amireadytoexit.com. See you again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.